Well, we're talking about something really, really pertinent tonight, and it's entitled Protection in Perilous Times. Sometimes our titles change by the time the series is over because there's a better title, but for right now, we'll call this series Protection in Perilous Times, and I'll let the ushers receive, finish receiving the offering. Then I'm going to read you something to get started out of Kenneth Hagin's book on following God's plan for your life. And I'm going to read a little bit more than I read the first time because I want you to hear this and I want you to connect this with living in divine protection in perilous times. Um, it is totally possible to be at the right place at the right time and never be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Totally possible. I mean, a lot of people would still be with us today if they were not in the places they were at at certain times. Good people. Good people, pe people that quote scriptures. Do you know, did you know that being good and quoting scriptures cannot take the place of listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what He leads you to do? Yeah. Actually, a lot of times when you do quote scriptures, you actually give Him more right to give you leadings. And when He does, you gotta, you got to do what He says. Not just stand there and keep quoting scriptures. you got to do what He tells you to do if you don't want to be in situations where bullets are flying. Right? Bombs are going off. Uh, it's very, very important if you want to live in divine protection to be led by the Spirit. I'd say last, last Wednesday was absolutely amazing. I mean, the Lord helped us beyond, way beyond, He always beyond me. I mean, I, I have a few notes, and I come and I just do my best to follow the leading of the Spirit. I like to hear what I'm going to say when I come to church. And I was listening to it, I thought, man, that's revelation. The Lord brought forth some things that were very powerful, and I, I'm just thankful we have it on archive because I get to go back and hear it over and over again. Um, so I want to read you this out of Kenneth Hagin's book, Following God's Plan for Your Life, and I want you to think about it in context of you and I living in divine protection. So he says here, he said, Believers who stand at a crossroads, and we all do at times, can choose to follow the path of their own plans and desires. That path may look wide and bright and stretch straight before them as far as their eyes can see. But if they continue to lean to their own understanding and disobey God, that straight, wide path will eventually lead them into darkness. In other words, believers who don't choose the perfect will of God will encounter trials in life God never intended them to encounter. How many of you want to encounter trials in life that God never intended you to go through? Nobody, right? How does it happen? By not being interested and not being in the zone that God wants us to be in. I don't want to preach all last week's message tonight, but one of the things the Lord told us was so powerful. He was, he was sharing these things. I just got so blessed. I hope you are taking advantage of the archives because it does take a lot of staff hours to upload them in, in there so you can continue to be fed. Um, but one of the things the Lord was, was sharing, well, actually, you know what? I don't want to, we'll get into that later. Let me read the rest of this here. So he said, if you're not interested in the perfect will of God for your life, you'll encounter trials God never intended you to encounter. On the other hand, the path God has planned for obedient believers may be a narrow one that goes over mountains and through some valleys. God's path might have bends and curves in it that sometimes obscure their view. Believers who follow God's way may not always be able to see very far down the path because following God is a step-by-step -step walk of faith and obedience. 
But despite the difficulties that lie in the path of obedience, such a great future in the Lord awaits those who choose to walk in God's ways. You might say, no, I don't believe much that I want to take that narrow, curving path where I can't see what's ahead. I don't know where it's going. I can see the other path stretched out wide and straight before me. But if I go down that narrow road of God's choosing, I can't see beyond the mountains. That way of obedience looks rugged and difficult. But the road of obedience is the one you must choose if you want to follow God's plan for your life. And as you choose to obey God, He will furnish you with the power and ability to climb over the mountains you are facing right now, as well as the mountains up ahead that you can't see yet. Your path will grow brighter and brighter, and many other lives will be influenced for Jesus because of your obedience. For you see, it's on the path of obedience where God reveals His glory, and your strength is renewed day by day. And when you finish your course and meet Jesus face to face, how glad you will be that you obeyed God. Each, each of us will experience many crossroads in our lives, some more crucial than others. At such crossroads, we must renew our commitment to do the Lord's will and not our own. Isn't that great? I, I know for a lot of people right now, and, and you know, the feelings and the, you know, Warfare that we live in, it, it comes to all of us, even me. We think, you know, that, that's, that'll be cool in the next life to hear Jesus say, well done, you know, a good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. But it's a lot cooler than we feel. <laughs> to hear those words, well done, is the whole reason for our existence. And we, you really need, we all should be very, very interested in hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. We know that um, we're not uh, saved by good works. But we are rewarded for good works. Jesus talked a lot about rewards. And a lot of these things, I think sometimes people think, well, that's not that big a deal. I mean, what, what the big deal is what I'm involved in right now. Actually, the thing you're involved in right now is like a vapor of steam. It appears for a moment and it's gone. That's what your whole life on earth is like in mine. Just to, even if you live to be 120 years old, the Bible says your life on earth is like a vapor. Just next time you're out in the cold and you see your breath, see how long that, that vapor lasts. That's how long your life on earth is compared to the things of God. This earth life is the shortest thing we will ever do, according to the Bible. This is preparation for the next life. The things we do in this life are huge in, in, in determining great things in the next life. Now, the only thing determining going to heaven is your faith in Jesus. But there's more things. Salvation and being a Christian is more than about, I got a ticket to heaven. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful. But there's a lot of things the Lord wants to do for you right now and wants you to do for other people right now. And it's called laying up in store treasures in heaven where thieves can't break through and steal. So I wanted to read you that. If you don't want to encounter unnecessary trials in life that God never intended you to encounter, you're in the right place tonight. In case you wondered. Psalm 23. Turn to Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. And the Lord helped us with some of this last week. I didn't know that I was going to even say this last week until I said it. Sometimes you guys think, man, pastor studied so well, and boy, he knows so much. Actually, 
<laughs> when you're under the anointing, the Lord starts speaking things through you that you never planned to say. And He's supposed to be doing that through all of us, whether it's behind a pulpit, behind a laundry basket, right, or at the job, or at a gas station. We can all speak under the inspiration of God. That's why we all need to be prayed up and not just think pastor and few leaders are the only ones that need to be ready for things like that. A lot of sermons need to be preached outside of the church. Daily conversations at the workforce, in the workplace, in your break room. Even, even just two-minute sermons that you didn't even know was a sermon. They didn't know it was a sermon, but you sensed the presence of God when you said those words. So in Psalm 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it's interesting the difference between a shepherd and a cowboy. A shepherd leads sheep. A cowboy drives the herd. Jesus isn't going to drive us anywhere and make us do anything. He's going to lead us. And then it's totally up to the little sheepy of the lamb to follow. If the lamb or sheep does get off course, he will help steer them and guide them back on course. But it all comes back to the sheep following the shepherd. Now notice this. What if, what if we're following the shepherd? Notice. Verse 2. He, my shepherd, makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. We're talking about being led and staying out of danger, right? He leads me beside the still waters. What if a person finds themselves in destructive waters or destructive circumstances or places where, you know, they're destroyed to one degree or another? Well, we could, according to this scripture, they got off of the path of following the leading of the Lord. If it's not still waters, then it's not from the Lord. This isn't that, doesn't mean there's no challenges, doesn't mean, but I'm, we're talking about destructive things, we're talking about things that could harm you, bring you down. That's different than, you know, growing up and, you know, enduring a few things just to develop some muscles. Here he's talking about leading us beside still waters. What if we're not in still waters and it's been 30 years and there's still crazy destructive waters all around us? Maybe, just maybe, we're not following the leading of the great shepherd and maybe we're just kind of waking up and doing what we want to do. You know, if we wake up every morning and look to the Lord and say, Father, thank you for my job, which I'll be going to in a while here. Thank you for my family. Thank you, Lord. If we'll just, every day, if we'll just say, Lord, I'm looking to you for direction today. If there's any change of plans today, tell me. I expect to be led by the Spirit of God. If we get in the habit and the lifestyle of that kind of living, then if the Holy Spirit ever does need to lead us away from a dangerous situation where there are bullets or bombs or crazy people or demons or catastrophes or natural disasters in this earth realm, then it won't be so hard to follow because we've already been doing it every day and other, other things. Right? I mean, so much of divine protection comes from living a life consecrated to God's plan. Looking to, and we're, we're not even talking about being perfect in all your behavior. We're just talking about living in the zone of looking to the Lord. You know, if you fall, you get back up and come right back, right? You just, you're not just, I think the Lord would rather have us making a few mistakes and coming back to Him and living in His zone than 
to be perfectly squeaky clean in our behavior and not interested in the plan of God for our life or the direction of the Lord for our life. Because at least we keep coming. I think that's why he said, I wish you're hot or cold. You know, this lukewarm stuff doesn't cut it. So here it's talking about the leading of the Lord having a lot to do with living in divine protection. It doesn't, it, you know, what if, destruct, what if a person right now is in destructive waters or destructive circumstances and terrible things are happening that we know are not the will of God? What, what, what if that's the situation? Well, it doesn't mean that person's bad. It could mean they're just not following the leading of the Lord for their life. How many of our kids need to learn these things? The devil's always hated young people. The slaughter in, in, in Egypt with the, the firstborn. Um, Herod getting demon-possessed and slaughtering all the kids in uh, Bethlehem, two years old and younger. And, and uh, you see the attack on young people, and, and even in the teenage years, and in you know, junior high, high school. Why? He hates young people. He wants them destroyed. Well, I say this. And you, you just look at what they're doing in schools these days, what they're teaching in schools, uh, things they're telling kids. I mean, to me, it's just crazy to look at a little child, a little girl, and say, Honey, you're an it. And you can be a boy. You can be a girl. You just want to slap some parents. I mean, to, really, I want to slap some handcuffs on them because that's just a child abuse confusing the poor little kid. Right? I mean, it's like God didn't make a mistake here, all right? I mean, everybody has to resist funky feelings. Right? There's all kinds of unnatural things that are going to come to us. If, if, if you have a girl, you have a girl. Don't confuse the little child's mind with you know, you may want to wear boys' clothes, you know, and you may want to be this. That's, friend, I'm just going to say it. That's, that's demons. That's demonic. That's confusing little children and poisoning their brains, and it's wrong. If a little child has a desire, and they're a girl, and they have a desire to be a boy, you correct them in love, and you show them the truth. I mean, it's... Hmm. It, I talk with us about Carlo once in a while. We hear things on the news once in a while, and it's like, I cannot believe what these people are thinking. You know, we, do you all read your chapter today, Romans chapter 1? It's interesting, but it talks about um, the enemy having access to people who live in these certain ways when they know better. And it also said that uh, these people, people that don't do these things, but just approve of these things, fall under the same judgment. And, you know, I was thinking about this earlier tonight as I was getting ready for the service tonight, and I, and I wrote this down because I think it would be a really, a really good thing to study in these sessions. Judgment by association. Um, things happening to certain people because they were just around the wrong people. And when the, when the hammer came down, they were too close. I mean, we know that in the natural, right? Let's say somebody doesn't do cocaine and they don't deal in cocaine, but they're at a friend's house and they're doing cocaine. And all of a sudden all the doors are busted down and they've got a little powder on their hand. They're, they're in trouble just like the other ones because of, of association. 
I don't want to be next to somebody who's about ready to open the door to a destructive problem in their life and me be right in the same room. Do you? So sometimes you have to watch out about your associations if you want to steer clear. I think a lot of young people, I mean, how many young people have died in a car accident because they were with people who were doing things they didn't do, but they just still wanted to hang around them in their dangerous lifestyles. And they're not with us today. And the enemy gets access at times like that. And he hates innocence. He hates people. He hates young people. And we as parents and we as uh, leaders in the church, we need to not only walk in these things, we need to teach our young people how to be sensitive to the voice of the God, to the leading of the Spirit. And to let them know at a young age, you can learn to be led of the Spirit at three years old. Start teaching them. Show them by example that it's the better way. All right, so turn to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And I want you to notice verse 1. Great scripture. Psalm 127, 1. Actually, I believe this is the verse that Brother Hagin brings out at the very beginning of this book. The Lord said here through the psalmist, Except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it. So stop. Before you read the next part, just, just think about this. How many of you know we can build some things? And it totally be a weight in your life from that day forward. And what I mean by a weight? Something you got to feed. Something that's not, you know it's not right. It can get built. But if the Lord's not in it, you wasted time, money, and energy. Got the thing built, whether it's a house, a ministry, a business, or whatever. If the Lord's not in it, I'm telling you, it's going to be empty. It's not going to be what you thought it was going to be. If the Lord didn't tell you to do it and told you to do something else, but you decided to do this thing yourself, it's going to be empty and vain, and you're going to have something on your hands. <laughs> I, I've done this in some areas in the area of buying things at times. The Lord wasn't in it at all. And I thought, oh, this thing's going to make me so happy. You know, it's going to be so wonderful. And after I got it, I'm thinking, how can I get out of these payments? This is not what I thought it would be. It, I did not get it the Lord's way. He did not add it to me. I added it to myself. And then you've got to feed it. You've got to take care of it. <laughs> the Lord will bail you out, but he'll talk to you about not doing it again. So look at the next part of this verse. Now notice this. Think about protection. Except the Lord protect the city, the watchman, you know, who's watching for the enemies at night, he stays awake in vain. I want you to think about this, church. Think about this. If God's not in it, stay away from it. I don't care if there's 95 armed guards around it. How many of you know if the Lord's not in it, it don't matter how many guns... Say, we're going to keep you safe. I'd rather have bullets flying and be where God wants me than to have armed guards all around me and be where God doesn't want me. Sure, yes, yes, definitely have a watchman. Yes, sure, let's have police. Absolutely, we respect them greatly. Our son's a police officer. Yes, for, thank God for military. But we all know that there's a spiritual side to victory, and it's God. 
And if God's not in our country, I don't care if we have the strongest military that's ever been on this planet, we are in trouble. Amen. We are in big trouble if God is not watching over our city or our country. We can have the biggest missiles, the biggest tanks. Everybody in the whole country could be in the military. Without God, we're not going to withstand even one war. And I, I wanted to show you that. So you think, well, how, you know, because there's times it's just, there's things that look great, you know, things that look wonderful. And if you're only looking at the natural, you can get in trouble. You know what I'm talking about? You could, you could get in big trouble by looking only at the natural, moving forward, going to the certain place, taking the certain journey. Everything looks great. The weather looks great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's fine. But if the Lord says, don't go, I don't care how blue the skies are. Right? Or how new the airplane is. If the Lord says, don't go, what do you do? Check the weather to see if you should go, right? Well, we got such cheap tickets. We got to go. I mean, oh, we spent so much money. Well, great, wonderful, fine. Make sure it's the Lord. But what if the Lord tells you, don't go, and you spent $2,000 already on plane tickets that are non-refundable? What do you do? Hopefully, you're close enough to the Lord to know it's God and not just some feeling and the devil trying to mess things up. But if the Lord does, people have been, lives have been saved because of what I'm teaching you right now. God knows where the bullets are. He knows where the bombs are. He knows where the crazy people are. He knows where the catastrophes are about to happen. He knows the future. And if we're in the habit of every day looking to the Lord, just, even if it's just for five seconds in your prayer time, Lord, I'm looking to you for direction. Any change of plans, you let me know. I'm a child of God. I expect to be led by the Spirit of God. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And if you live that kind of lifestyle, then it won't be hard to discern his direction away from danger if he ever needs to direct you away from danger because you've already been listening to his direction about everything else. He doesn't just want to lead us away from danger. He wants to lead us in every area of our life because he loves us. He knows where the successful people are. He knows where the people are going to make life difficult for you are. And I will say this. He may at times lead you to places where things are a little difficult, not destructive, but difficult, because he, needs you new, he, needs, he knows you've got some growing up to do. We don't grow because it's always easy. Thank you for your smiles. Not everybody's smiling right now. <laughs> All right, so natural preparation is not enough. Right? Yes, have the watchman. Yes, keep a lookout. Yes, but if that's all it is, it's not enough. Go to Psalm 20. Psalm 20. This is a song we all used to sing. Well, maybe not all of us, but we used to sing it in the days gone by. Psalm 20 in verse 7. Some trust in chariots, which was a form of war machinery in these guys' day. Some trust in chariots. Some people trust in horses. But we, NIV says, we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Have a horse. Fine. Hey, have a chariot. Fine. But that better not be what our trust is in. Have a pistol if you want. It's legal. But don't be trusted in your pistol. Right? It's vain if the Lord's not going to help you, if the Lord's not behind it. Right? Yep. And, 
I, I'm going to say this again in just a little bit, but did you ever notice that when it comes to war, did you ever notice that good people go down on the battlefield just as much as anybody else? Yeah. Do you know why? Because you can't just be a good person on the battlefield. You better be a good shot. You better know some things about your weapon. You better know some things about defense, right? You, better know, you can't just be good. Good people go down just like not so good people in a battlefield. Being good is not enough in war. Do you understand that? You got to know some things. Being good is not enough in this war zone called our earth walk. Being good's, being good's great, but it's not enough. Good people all the time go down because they never learned teachings on how to be led by the Spirit, divine protection, what to say, how to develop their life in God. Good people go down all the time, and it's not because they're bad. You can be a wonderful, squeaky, clean, nice guy. Know nothing about the leading of the Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit does try to give you direction, you don't know what to do. You go on anyway. Bam! And people go, I don't know why they died in that car wreck. I don't know why God took them. God didn't take them. Now, if they're believers, He received them. But don't blame that on God. Come on, man. God's not into taking. If God's going to take us, He's going to take us like He took Elijah and Enoch. Bodily, no disease, no sickness, no tragedy, no accident. Just one day here, next day in the glory world. Gone. Where'd John? Where'd Pastor John go? He just was translated. He's gone. He... How many think that'd be a cool way to go? People don't realize this, but you and I do not have to be forced out of our bodies when it's time for us to go. We can leave by faith. It said, these all died in faith. You can leave by faith. You can leave when you're ready because God gave it more to us. The devil has got so many people hoodwinked to thinking that, that, well, the only way I can die is if I get a disease or the only way I can die is if I, you know, this bad thing happens. And no, that's opening the door to that stuff. Jacob, Jacob, Old Testament. Not even a child of God, a servant of God. He got really old. Called all his kids and grandkids in. Laid his hands on them and blessed them. Pulled his feet up in the bed and gave up the ghost. We talked about this last week. Dying by faith. Not to be evicted by some disease that Christ has redeemed us from or some accident or plane wreck. We don't have to be. Now, good, praise God, if that happens to, has happened to people in the past that were believers, they went straight to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No limbo. One moment here, next moment with the Lord. But we don't have to leave early. Amen? Amen. I say, people, get a gun if you want to, but don't do it because you're afraid, because that'll open the door to things. You'll have to use the gun. If the Lord leads you to get one, or if you just choose to get one, fine. But when it comes right down to it, (laughs) if God's not helping you out and you're not following the plan of God for your life, it's in vain. We talked about this, right? You got a pistol, the other person's got a machine gun. You got a machine gun, they got a bazooka. You got a bazooka, they got a tank. You got a tank, they got a laser guided missile. Right? If God, now, but, but you know what? If God's with you, they could have a bazooka pointed right at you. And all you got is a little slingshot. And you will win. Happened with David. Little tiny teenager boy, the little rock, and, and Goliath, you know, man of war from his youth, and probably 10 feet tall, and just armor everywhere. And, and David said, I come at you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. See, God was with him. It wasn't in vain. 
I mean, you'd rather have a slingshot and God on your side than a tank. Turn to Acts chapter 27. Acts 27. Now, last week we went to Psalm 91 and learned some powerful things. And I, I will say this about uh, Acts, I mean, excuse me, uh, Psalm 91, that, that we won't go there, but I'll tell you this. Um, in, in Psalm 91, it says, uh, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High right. is going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then verse 2 says, I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my protector, he's my God. I'm going to trust him in this area too as my protector. And then it starts talking about no evil shall befall you, no plague is going to come near your dwelling, his angels are going to give charge over you, keeping you in all your ways. You're going to be divinely protected. But notice, it didn't say it happens just because you're saved. It says it happens because you say something. You can't just be a believer in divine protection just automatically. You've you got to be saying some things. You appropriate a lot of what the Lord provided for you with your mouth. You can't even get born again without confessing Jesus as Lord. God got zero results just by thinking he had to say, let there be light. And you and I are going to have to say some things. And one of the things we need to be saying is the Lord is my protector. He's my shield. When you say those words, you give your angels a right to protect you if danger ever gets near you. Did you know that? Yes. Now, if you're a complainer and you're always talking about natural things only and the problems, you give the enemy a right to mess with your life. Did you know that? Yes. Do you know why a lot of people died in the wilderness between Egypt and the Promised Land? And people go, yeah, I know why, because they were idol worshipers. That was one category. Well, I know why, because they were tempting Christ. Yeah, that was another category. They were destroyed. Yeah, and all the fornicators, you know, they got destroyed, yeah. But you know there's another category that got destroyed because of something they said. They were complaining and they were murmuring and they were destroyed of the destroyer. Saying these words at times gives place to spirits in our life. I want to give place to the Holy Spirit 24-7. Angels who are ministering spirits. I don't want to give any place to demon spirits. Right? And I won't steal your thunder. Because Carla got a revelation and I, I just, it's so good. A lot of people don't realize it, but they're, they're cursing their lives by the way they talk. And I'm not talking about four-letter words. We're talking about saying things over your life against the fatherhood of God or his, his provision for your life. Saying things, that's called cursing. That's called speaking failure to your life. And whether you realize it or not, it works. It works. Positive or negative. And so Psalm 91 says, you can't just be in Christ, you also got to say something. I will say of the Lord, then the scripture, no evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. Not just verse 1, but verse 1 and verse 2 qualifies you for verse 3 through 16. You got to say some things if you want to see divine protection. And you'll be looked, you know, pe people may think you're crazy, may think you're arrogant, as long as you know you're just quoting scriptures and believing God. Everything going to be all right. So Acts 27. Acts chapter 27. Paul was a man just like us. Actually, he probably had a worse past than every one of us. He was a terrorist. He, he blasphemed. He killed Christians. He, he murdered them. He wasted the church. And then he saw Jesus and his life turned around. 
And in Acts chapter 27, if you're reading with us a chapter a day, Monday through Friday, you just read this with us a few days ago. I want you to notice here in verse, uh, let's see, I want, don't want to read all of it here, of course, for time's sake. But look at verse, where do we want to go? 9. Acts 27, 9. And so he's on his way to Rome as a prisoner because he appealed to Caesar. He said, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, this is Luke narrating here because he was with Paul. He says, the fast was already passed. Paul admonished them saying, sirs, verse 10, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the ship, but also of our lives. Okay, look up here. What does he mean, I perceive? Well, the world would call it a premonition. Some people call it intuition. The Bible calls it, I perceive. He's not perceiving something with his brain. He's getting something in his spirit. His, the born again part of his life. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. We're a three-part being. Man is a spirit made in the image and likeness of God. We have a soul and we live in a body. When we, when we leave this body, our spirit that has a soul takes off. If you're a believer, you're going to be with Christ, which is far better. If you're a non-believer, you're going to a place called hell, prepared for the devil and his angels. Not because God sent you there, but because you didn't accept the only way off that road that Adam put you on. All right? So he said, sirs, I perceive... He's perceiving that if they take this journey across the seas at this time, it's not going to be good. He has nothing in the natural to prove this. He has no weather report. He's not going by blue skies, black skies. He's not going by somebody, something in the natural told him. He's going by something he's getting right in here. In your spirit. Small s. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your spirit, capital S, and He's going to direct you in that part of your life. That's the number one way. The number one way God wants us to get direction is through the inward witness because of His indwelling presence. Yes, there's other means of guidance. There, there's, a, the, there's the inward witness. There's the still small voice. There's the more authoritative voice of God. And a lot of times what that happens is because there's rough sailing ahead, so don't be seeking that, right? Um, and then there's uh, angelic help in this area, and then there's visions, and there's three levels of visions. You know, there's the dreams in the night, visions in the night, then visions that you see kind of inside, and then like you're looking at a big screen. But the number one primary way all believers are going to get life-saving, successful direction in their life is through developing their own spirit by feeding on the Word, praying in tongues, worshiping God, serving God, and getting to the place where you actually know when He's leading you to do something or not do something because of your walk with God. And if you ever need any kind of guidance beyond that, He'll give it to you. Don't be seeking it. Learn to develop the inward witness. I told you last week at the close of the service... Um, actually, we better read this. He said, I perceive this voyage is going to be with hurt and much damage. Verse 11. Nevertheless, even though Paul had this perception, you know, he's just a prisoner. What does he know? Nevertheless, the centurion, 
this Roman soldier, believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. All right? Huge mistake. Huge mistake. And it says in verse 12, Because the haven was not commodious to winter in, and the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain unto Phoenicia, and, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lies toward the southwest and the northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they loosed and sailed close by Crete. So natural circumstances are saying, Paul, you know what you're talking about. The south wind's blowing softly. The weather looks fine. You must have, you know, had too much manicotti or something for dinner. Um, but but they're, they're sailing out. You know why they're sailing out? You know why they're sailing? Because everything in the natural looks good. Big reason why a lot of people aren't even with us today. Everything in the natural looked good, but all while they had something down here saying, don't go this time. Slow down. Delay a few hours or a day or two. Hmm? Some people say, well, why, why, why didn't God protect them? That's not the right question. You want to know what the question is? It's not even a question. He tried. He tried. But remember, he's our shepherd, not a cowboy driver of the cattle. He tried. I guarantee any believer who's gotten in any kind of a catastrophe or crisis that obviously is, you know, not from the Lord, I guarantee you, every time the Holy Spirit tried to get their attention, tried to give them a premonition or an inward witness, tried to give them direction. And the number one problem is not that people are rebellious. The number one problem is people are not taught about these things. I'm going to tell you one of the reasons the devil doesn't want you speaking in tongues other than because Jesus does. Another big reason that the devil doesn't want you speaking in tongues because when you speak in tongues, your spirit is speaking. 1 Corinthians 14. If I speak in an unknown tongue, my spirit speaks. My spirit's praying. My understanding's unfruitful. And when you're praying in the spirit... That part of your life where God wants to give you life-saving direction is active. And you're more aware of that part of your life when you're praying in tongues. And if you're more aware of your spirit when you're praying in tongues, you're going to be more in tune to His direction for your life. Come on, what did, we say, what did the Lord show us last week? Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. God's going to enlighten you. In your spirit. And if you're aware of that part of your life, and that part of your life is not sleeping, and you're praying in the spirit, you're going to be more aware of that part of your life where God gives you direction and enlightenment, and you're going to, it's going to float to your mind. It's going to, you're going to realize what it is. You're going to walk it out, and you're going to get direction because when your spirit, when you're praying in tongues, your spirit is active, and you're going to be more sensitive to God's enlightening because you're more aware of that part of your life where He enlightens you. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, or the light bulb of the Lord, we could say today. It's where he's going to enlighten you. Who to marry, who not to marry. Where to go, where not to go. Where to live, where not to live. Who to hook with, who not to hook with. What to do, what not to do. All this light is going to come to your spirit. And if you pray in tongues a lot, you're going to be more aware of that part of your life where all these life-saving, successful directions are coming to. 
It's a little difficult to just do your own thing every day, every hour, every week, every month, every year, and then be completely in tune to God when He wants to direct you away from a dangerous place. How many think it would already be a, be a good idea to already be looking to the Lord in other things and direction for all other, other areas of your life that aren't life-threatening? So when if ever anything did need to come your way to direct you away from something that would try to destroy you, you've already been following the Lord for months and weeks and years. And I mean, weeks, months, and years. You're already in the flow. You've gotten to learn His leadings. And if He ever did need to say, don't go to the Twin Towers this morning. I know you work there, but stay home today. It's not going to be some weird, wow, where'd that come from? I, I know that voice. He's been leading me, you know, yep. in, in little things around the house and on the job. And yep. I mean, how many know the Holy Spirit? If you listen to the Holy Spirit, He will, th th this is no condemnation for anybody if this happened to. He will lead you to not hit the cat running across the road. You'll just have a sensation to slow down. You know, two seconds can mean the difference between hitting a deer or not hitting a deer? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Do you realize that? He don't want nobody to hit no cat. He created the cat not to be swiped out on the highway or a raccoon or a deer or a horse or an elk. How many know he knows when they're going to be crossing? I know when I'm driving my motorcycle. Eric goes to our church. Eric and Michelle, they go to our church now. Great people. He was my instructor to learn how to drive a Harley Davidson a couple years ago out here at the Harley dealer. I took two weeks of lessons because I knew dirt bikes, but I didn't know street bikes. So I took some lessons. I didn't want to just get on a Harley 1200. Somebody gave me a Harley 1200. I just wanted to get on and start riding. I wanted to know how to lean, how to turn, and all this stuff. And he was telling the story. He said, you know, I was riding my Harley one time down the road, and a bee flew up my nose and stung me. He said, my whole head, like, swelled up. And so I'm driving down. The very first day I get on my Harley, the very first day I get on my Harley, down over here on Horizon and uh, G Road by that old Pizza Hut, I'm driving, driving my bike, and all of a sudden a deer runs out in front of me. And so I'm driving down the road, you know, there's two things. I'm driving down the road thinking it's summertime. There's probably bees everywhere, right? I mean, I, you'll feel things once in a while hit your face. And I kid you not, when I drive that motorcycle, I am minute by minute got my antenna up being led by the Spirit. Because being a foot over as opposed to being here can mean the difference between a bee going up my nose or not going up my nose. <laughs> It's one of the coolest ways to learn how to develop being led by the Spirit. I'm driving down the road. There's time to just feel like left. And I just kind of go foot left, you know. There's time, six inches this way. I'm just having fun being led by the Spirit. Guess what? No bees up my nose. <laughs> and it will never happen. You know, I took the lessons. I learned how to be a safe driver. But all that and no help from God is in vain. I could have took five years of lessons. If I'm not following God's plan for my, if I'm not at least interested in Him directing me and I'm not at least open to His leadings, I don't care if I got lessons for 10 years. The watchman is awake in vain if the Lord's not guarding the city. You can take that in there. Is the Lord leading you or not? If the Lord tells you not to go, don't go. I don't care how safe the vehicle looks or how blue the skies look. We need to learn to be sensitive to the Lord in these areas. And there may be a couple times in your life where there's some drastic direction like that, but isn't it cool to know these things if that ever does happen? I mean, how many of your kids, wouldn't it be awesome just with mommy and daddy and, and the kids, wouldn't it be awesome just to know, I really don't think I'm going to go to school today. Honey, are you, are you sick? No, I'm not sick, Mom. I just have something in my spirit that says don't go. No. 
Watch them kids, they can be sly. <laughs> Mommy, I think it's the leading of the spirit. Are you sure you don't just want to take a test today, huh? Come on now. I think we should teach our kids, but you would know, you would know. And, and then if a school shooting did happen, you would know why you weren't supposed to go. I know Mark Lowry, you know, the, the Christian comedian, um, talking about protection in the highway and, and things like that and accidents. And a lot of you have heard this, but Mark Lowry is a Christian comedian back in the day, and he was in a bus, and their whole group was going to another city to minister the gospel and get people saved and have great, you know, good, clean humor. He was a Christian comedian. They had bands. It was wonderful. Young people would get together, just love God and have some good, clean fun. And he's, they're all driving down the road in the bus, and, and all of a sudden the bus wrecks, and they're all put in the hospital. He's telling us later after he got out, See, so yeah, we wrecked we off the side of the road. Everyone was put in the hospital. I'm lying in the hospital bed saying, God, God, why? Why did we get in the bus? God, we're doing your will. God, we're doing your will, man. I mean, why, why, what's going on here? We're, we're going to get people saved, God, and here we're all in the hospital. Why, God? What, what's going on? And God said, you want to know the answer to why this bus wrecked? You might want to write this down. The bus driver fell asleep. God had zero to do with it. Yeah. Well, I don't know why God would allow that to happen. Because he'll allow us to drive when we shouldn't be driving and taking a nap instead. That's not God wanting it. That's not God causing it. That's just God respecting man's free will. People, well, I don't know why God caused that to happen. God didn't cause Why did he allow it? He didn't allow it to happen. He gave you a free will. And if you're driving down the road and you're tired and you keep driving and you're going to fall asleep, it's your fault. Can't even blame the devil on that. Part of this whole teaching here, we need to talk about violating natural laws causes bad things to happen. How many know if you're walking up to something and it says, you know, 220 volts, right? And it says, don't stand near with wet feet. And don't touch this if you have wet feet. How many know if you look at that and go, well, I'm just believing God's my protector. You know, praise God, the Lord gives me angels. And he, I'm just going to stand and die. You're in the next world, man. And you're going to go, God, why? He's going to go, what do you mean? Did you read the sign? Come on. Common sense says don't do certain things. Oh, God took them. He might have received them if they were believers. He did receive them. But that's not God saying, time for you to come home. Zap, you're out of here. It's not this. God loves us. Come on. One more thing before we go. Can you do this just before we go? Turn to, um, no, we don't have, well, turn there quickly. Turn to Luke 13, and we're going to close with this. We went to this at the beginning a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think it was. Um, oh, you know what? Gosh, hang on. Acts 27. Don't, don't go back there, but let me just tell you how this thing ended, okay? So, they hit the biggest storm of their life. The winds of Eurocladon came crashing down on this boat. There's like 276, 286, something like that, people on board. That included the Romans, the, the prisoners and all. And they get in this storm. And if Paul wasn't on that boat, they would all have been dead that day. 
It was the most vicious storm they've ever, ever been in. The sailors, the, the Romans, they're, they're not eating. They're throwing everything overboard. Many days went by, and neither sun nor stars appeared in many days. No great, no, no small tempest lay upon us. In other words, this is a big storm. They threw the tackling out of the boat, and they're all fasting. They're not eating. They're freaking out. It says all hope that we should be saved was gone. Storm wasn't lightening up one bit. And Paul comes up from down below, you know, probably with his chains on, and said, Sirs, <laughs> sirs, you should have listened to me and not loose from Crete. I had a perception this was going to happen. You thought I just, you know, you thought I was just making it up. I, I knew this. How do you know that was going to happen? Just like you and I can know things like that are going to happen. The Spirit of God will give us a witness. We'll perceive it in our spirit. Well, no, just on the inside. There's something wrong about this. Not a fear, not fear. Just you know something's not right. And we shouldn't go, or we should go later, or we should go now and not later, or whatever. He perceived it just like you and I can perceive it. And the same guy, the same guy that said, I perceive this voyage will be of much damage of our lives and the boat, the same guy that said, I perceive, is the same guy that said, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. And I'm saying it that way because I believe his praying in tongues and his speaking in tongues more than all the Corinthians. He must have spoken in tongues a lot because they spoke in tongues a lot. Something, you can't pray in tongues all the time and not be sensitive to these life-saving directions. Because you're more aware of that part of your life where God directs you. So quickly, go to Luke 13. And as you're going there, let me just say this. We'll, we'll share this maybe next time I get to preach on Sunday. Um, Paul said, be of good cheer. Another wave hits his face, and Paul's smiling. He said, be of good cheer. I just heard from God. And God said, everything's going to be okay as long as we stay on the boat. Yep. Do you ever think about that? Paul said, the Lord told me that if we all stay on the boat, nobody will die, and we'll all get to land safely. The boat's going to be torn apart, but we're all going to get the land safely. So they start letting down the other little boats. And Paul sees it. And Paul says, you better cut those ropes, because if you get in those boats, you ain't going to make it. And they thought, you know, the guy was right about the storm. Let's cut the ropes. We're all going to stay on the big boat. How many of you know they could have got on those little boats, ignored the, another leading of the Spirit, and died. Mm -hmm. The reason a lot of people don't see the protection of the Lord is because they choose to go a different road or a different route or do their own thing or look at the natural only and make their decision. Mm -hmm. They cut those ropes. They didn't use those smaller boats. And sure enough, they plunged into a place where two rivers meet and the back of the boat blew apart and everybody escaped to land safely. The boat was messed up, but they came to a, an island and they got some help from the people on the island, got another boat and headed off to Rome and they were all spared because Paul even though they missed God. Because Paul was still on that boat, they all got delivered because Paul had to go to Rome, <laughs> do the will of God. He knew how to believe God. He tells them all, be of good cheer. In the midst of the greatest storm of their life, they're probably going, what do you mean, be of good cheer? Just like a lot of people, what do you mean, Pastor, rejoice when I got a bad doctor's report? What do you mean? He said, cheer up. And you know what it says? It says they ate some food, and they cheered up. And it cleared up. Storm ceased, got to land, got another boat, got to Rome. If you want the storm in your life to clear up, you might want to cheer up.
about what God said. About storms and how you're going to make it through and how you're not going to die. They cheered up and it cleared up. No, 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 no. It didn't clear up. Then they cheered up. It said they cheered up because of what God said and it cleared up. Huh? They cheered up and things shaped up. You don't have to wait for things to shape up. You're a child of God. You've got promises to stand on, things to believe. And now I can't go to the other scripture because my time's up. I will say this, though. Just listen to this. Because they were asking Jesus about two tragedies that had just happened in Israel. Pilate mingling the blood of people with the animal sacrifices just for some crazy reason started cutting up the people. And their blood was mingled with the... That was a terrorist act. It was a demonic act. And then the Tower of Siloam falling and killing 18 people. And Jesus said, do you think these people that the tower fell on, do you think those people were worse sinners than all sinners in Judea? He said, no, they weren't worse sinners. And he said, but except you all repent, you're going to all likewise perish. And I got to thinking, you don't have to be bad people for a tower to fall on you. You could be a great person. Just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Good people do it all the time. You don't have to be a bad person for some crazy terrorist act to come your way and do you in. Just be at the wrong place at the wrong time. You could be a sweet, loving, kind person, go to nursing homes, feed the poor, and be in the wrong place at the wrong time and leave the earth early. Are you following me? You don't have to be a bad person for a tower to fall on you. You could be a wonderful, good person. Has nothing to do with worse sin or greater sin or worse sin. You could just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Jesus said, except you repent. In other words, except you get out of the zone of just doing your own thing and look to God for direction in your life, you're all going to perish in a way you don't have to perish. Leave the earth in a way you don't have to leave. Be led by the Spirit. Live out a long, healthy, strong, blessed life. Leave when you're ready. Take your last breath and don't take another one. And say, Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit. Say goodbye to your family. And how many of that's a lot better than leaving on tons of medication, altering your state of consciousness, can't even think straight, pain in your body, crazy things, breathing machines and all this. I think when we get done, we should just believe there's going to be grace there at that last breath. And when I choose to not take my next breath, I'm not going to suffocate. I'm just going to leave. Because there'll be grace to leave when it's time to leave. Don't look to feel if you have it now. You don't need it now. You're not leaving now. Just know it'll be there. Right? Just know it will be there. And that when it's time for you to go, it's going to be a wonderful departure. Amen. Let's stand up, church. Father, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, thank you for helping us to get these things out tonight and into our hearts. Thank you, Father. We do look to you. We look to you for direction every day of our life. And we're not afraid of anything. And we're not even afraid to die. We just want to stay around until we're done doing what you've called us to do, helping the people you've called us to help. Father, thank you. Thank you for those that are watching online. Thank you for everybody in this room. Thank you that these words will be acted on and we will be developed in these areas and we will... We will live in divine protection for your glory and so we can finish our course and help the people you've called us on this earth to help. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Say this before you go. The Lord Lord is my refuge and my fortress, my protector and my God. God. In him, him 
will I trust for protection in these perilous times? I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. And I expect to be led by the Spirit of God. So be it. Amen. Awesome. Awesome.